0: Democrats in the state legislature said thanks, but no thanks to Governor Kathy Hochul's housing creation plan in 2023. And while the state's chief executive is back at it with a new effort to expand the state's housing stock, we want to turn our attention to what the legislature is kicking around. And to do that, we're joined in the studio by state Senator Sean Ryan, a Buffalo area Democrat who recently unveiled a housing vision for his community. Welcome back to the Capitol Press Room, Senator. Well, it's great to be here today talking about this important issue. Well your plan is supposed to address a lack of high quality affordable housing in the Buffalo area. How bad is the problem there and is it solely an issue for renters or are there prospective homeowners who are feeling the pinch too? Yeah, it's it's
1: uh, it's all it's all sectors of the housing econ- economy and you know when I often talk about Buffalo I know that there are the similar markets in Rochester, uh, Syracuse, Albany uh, and, and Utica. So what we're really trying to do David is come up with a more regional approach uh, to housing. And, you know, for years, the approach was really based on what was going on in New York City, and then we'll develop housing programs for the boroughs, and that they should be good for upstate too. But what we're finding is the, those programs really don't uh, help uh, upstate uh, at, at all. You know, we're, we're getting what like someone like Zillow will say Buffalo and Rochester have hot housing markets. But you can look at it at a different way. And like uh, Time Magazine recently put out uh, of the 100 largest cities with the worst supply, uh, Rochester and Buffalo were were one and two. Um, So this hot housing market is often just because there's been a lack of houses built in these communities in the last generation, while at the same time, uh, the state has been sponsoring demolition programs, so... Uh, For a while, we were really concentrating on on demolitions. Then our population starts inching up, Mm -hmm. and we realized maybe we went a little too far on the demolitions, and now we have a a supply problem. You know, and often people say, oh, let's wait for the market. The market will solve this. The market's really never solved housing problems uh, in America. The post-war housing boom was all uh, uh, government-subsidized. So we just need to look at a more regional approach to housing.
0: Well, sticking with that idea of government subsidies, a component of your vision for Buffalo's housing problem is to have the state subsidize uh, one- and two-family homes that would then be sold uh, to low- to moderate-income New Yorkers. Why is that a good use uh, of the state's resources? Well,
1: we're already spending about the same amount of money to build an apartment in Buffalo that's for affordable rents. So the Housing and Community Renewal, the state agency that does housing, you know, is spending a comparable amount to build an apartment in a large building. Meanwhile, a place like Buffalo has 13,000 vacant residential lots. Uh, So a better use of that money would be instead of congregating uh, people into one apartment building in a residential neighborhood, instead of building 20 units, let's spread it out and build uh, 20 houses, allow people to you know, realize uh, equity growth, uh, to bring lower-income people into the, the housing market. There's a big mismatch uh, throughout uh, the state, but two-thirds of Buffalonians, their households earn less than $70,000 a year, um, and the average selling price for a house in Buffalo is about a quarter million dollars. So that means two-thirds of the people who live in the city are shut out uh, of the housing market.
0: So for a lot of people who are considering becoming homeowners, the real barrier to entry is the initial cost. It's that uh, initial 10 20% of the price. So are you envisioning these subsidies going toward down payments? Are they supposed to go towards construction costs? How do you envision the state's money being used?
1: It would go straight into construction costs. So we would come up with designs that are reflective of the various uh, neighborhoods, and then the money would go right into subsidize the construction cost, and then the builder would be taken out of the equation, and then we would sell that house to neighborhood people based on their income level. So what they pay will be a sliding scale, and of course, you know, the principal put in will be forgivable over a very long period of time to make sure that that money is going to benefit the whole community and, and not just the, the buyer of the house.
0: And would these then be essentially low-income neighborhoods, or would you envision people who don't need subsidies purchasing homes and so the communities can be more integrated?
1: Well, we would look at it two ways. Uh, So we want to solve the housing problem, but we also want to solve Buffalo's uh, vacant uh, lot problem. So we want to spread it around. So throughout every councilmatic district, there's vacancies, but Most of the vacant lots are more congregated in the low income parts of the city. So you will be putting new houses on the market in places of the city where there really is no private investment. And what that'll do is, you know, that rolls right into, you know, step two, which is there's not enough apartments available. Part of the reason there's not apartments available is because people who are in that seventy thousand category they can't get out of their apartments to go into a house. So if we get the market moving and people actually you know, moving from apartments uh, into houses, that'll then help with the, the supply problem on the apartment side.
0: Typically, when the state begins investing in any sort of project, it means that there are certain labor requirements attached to those projects, requirements that sometimes can increase the cost of those projects. So are you concerned at all about these subsidies basically artificially inflating the costs of these projects, or could there be exceptions to things like project labor agreements because of how much money might be spent or other ways you envision this program being implemented?
1: Yeah, we're definitely going to work it out, but we want this to be a program that helps the whole economy. So in order to help the whole economy, we want to be able to hire local workforce, uh, local uh, contractors, you know, if possible, local union members. So We're not going to limit it in any way, but we want to make it so we can get housing onto the market quickly. We don't do a lot of housing starts uh, in Erie County, so a program like this would be very big for Buffalo. And it's also transferable to other areas of the state, but we need to prove we can do it. But it's really just a mindset change from DHCR, which is if you have some property in Brooklyn, they're going to pay you and subsidize you to put as many units as possible on, on the one plot of land. But that equation doesn't really help us rebuild our neighborhoods uh, in any way. You know, imagine a block with you know 30 vacant lots and you pick one corner lot and put 30 units on it. The neighborhood's not going to be happy about that. They'd prefer to have it spread out. It doesn't build equity uh, with, with, with homeowners. You're, you're still creating an apartment uh, class. And you're really not getting a a, a big bang into the local tax base. So, we need to do it differently. We're spending a lot of money uh, already, and we just want to redirect how that money is currently being spent.
0: So, you're not looking for additional funds. You're just looking for flexibility with existing revenue.
1: Yeah, we've you know over the last few years we put a multi-billion-dollar budget together for HCR, and we want them to create programs that really reflect the regional needs of New York State.
0: So in addition to building new housing, you also want to make funds available to improve conditions uh, in 4,000 affordable rental units in Buffalo, Albany, Rochester, and Syracuse. Why should the state get into that business as opposed to, say, holding delinquent property owners accountable either with tougher code enforcement or maybe fiscal penalties? I guess you need it
1: all. But, but here's a reality of the upstate housing market. People have very limited means. They own two- and three-family houses. You know They often uh, live in them. And we find that there's people who own these doubles and triples who can't afford to do basic upkeep and repairs. And that, over the years, that all adds up. And so you meet people who will tell you, well, I have an upstairs apartment, but I can't rent it because the furnace went six years ago, and I don't have the money to repair it. So it's a a bit of a a double-edged sword, right? So you want local community people owning uh, your housing, but more and more the people who are owning them are on fixed incomes in in retirements. We don't want them to have to sell their houses because we're discovering who's buying houses in the upstate market now are, are often people who are not from upstate, Often it's international money coming in, and if you think it's hard to deal with an undercapitalized elderly landlord, wait till you meet a owner from the United Arab Emirates who buys seventy five houses on auction. Like that is going from the frying pan to the fire. So, we want to make these investments into what I call church lady housing. Mm-hmm. Is that someone who was a worked as in a job with the say the city of Buffalo? They retired. Uh, They own a double, uh, their husband passed away, and we want to get those units back online. And we're viewing it as how do we get more units online quickly? It takes a long time to build a brand new unit, but it takes a lot less time to repair a unit that's sitting fallow now. And we estimated for $75,000. We're not talking big gut rehabs. You know, we're talking making sure the kitchen's working, making sure the heat's working, you know, fixing the roof, fixing the pipes, that we can get thousands of units back online quickly. Because remember, what we're trying to do is increase supply. And the quickest way to increase supply is to take units that are not being utilized and get them back on the market.
0: As part of that program, would you weed out applicants so they only fit that generic bill that you just described? Or would potential owners with the means be allowed to tap into these state resources as well
1: we would concentrate on on the owners who can't afford it so if jared kushner owns houses in buffalo uh, he wouldn't be eligible uh, for this program so you know we found in a lot of the upstate cities that apartments that were really viable in the 80s -hmm. by the 90s they started getting uh, run down and by the turn of the century they were somewhat unlivable But the owner is still living in the first floor. They just don't have the money to fix the rest of it. And my first impulse on this was well, we should punitively go after these people to get them out of ownership of these houses. But then I saw the new people who are coming in to buy the houses. And it turns out that if you go to housing court and look at violations, there's a lot less violations if the house is owned by a community member, and there's a lot more violations if the house is owned uh, by an outsider who bought a pretty lousy apartment and never expected or anticipated putting a dollar into it. We really want to put a focus on taking people who are currently in our community, our good community members, helping them get their units back online.
0: And after a quick break, we'll continue our discussion about housing with State Senator Sean Ryan, a Buffalo area Democrat who's advancing a package of bills that he says will increase the availability of affordable housing in the Buffalo area. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation with State Senator Sean Ryan, a Buffalo area Democrat who's advancing a package of bills designed to increase the supply of affordable housing in the Buffalo area. And before the break, we were talking about his bill that would make state funds available to landlords to make necessary upgrades to their properties. What strings, if any, do you envision attaching to this program if a landlord or property owner does decide they want to access these funds to make improvements to their properties?
1: So it's, it's two strings. The first is at the end of it, your apartment unit has to be up to the federal quality housing standards, which is the Section 8 standard. And the second is you have to agree to rent it for affordable prices for a period uh, of time. So it's not like we're going to put money into a landlord's pocket and then they are going to suddenly double the rent. The rent has to stay at an affordable level for 10 to 20 years. And once again, in a lot of the communities where these apartments are, are located, the rents are, are pretty low to start with. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to make it so you can become enriched and then suddenly start charging more rent. So you're going to enter into uh, a regulated system uh, where the state is going to help you get the unit back online. You're going to agree to charge a set rent for a period of years to make it and to make sure it maintains its affordability. But then the rest of the community is really the winner here because we then get movement in our housing market. We get less people leaving apartments because they're in bad shape. We spend less time in housing court trying to get people to make repairs. And then we can move people from apartments into the new builds we're going to be building.
0: For those property owners who may have the resources, your colleague, uh, State Senator James Skoufis, has a bill that would essentially let local municipalities say, work needs to get done on this property, we're going to do it, we'll just bill you, you for it. What do you think of pursuing that avenue?
1: I mean, that's a great avenue. You know, We have a product like that uh, already that uh, city courts can order repairs made and then the contractor has a lien against the property and can sell it at auction Mm -hmm. if they don't pay the contractor. And I think the Senator Scroofus bill is actually, it's a little more user-friendly. You don't have to go through the the court system, but I think that's a good idea. We can no longer allow absentee investors to come into our community with only one goal, that's extracting a lot of profit, then maybe just leaving a carcass of the building after they've extracted the profit. So code enforcement, forcing repairs, but also investment with undercapitalized landlord is what's going to help get us a way better apartment market.
0: Well, sticking with the issue of affordability and people who are already in homes, you have legislation that's designed to impact energy bills of consumers because that's a major problem if people are trying to figure out uh, how do I pay the mortgage versus uh, the utility bill. What do you think that can be done in, in this area?
1: The state has a lot of programs right now to to help people insulate their homes, but they're often underutilized because they're, they're super complicated. You have to get a lot of estimates, and you have to put your money up front. So we're finding the consumer is reluctant to use those programs, especially if you don't have a lot of disposable income. So if you're closer to uh, the lower side of the income scale. So... We've been talking to some of the local utilities and doing analysis of houses. We are proposing that through the Public Service Commission that there become a mandate to mandate that utilities start doing uh, the insulation. So it takes the consumer choice out of it. It takes a lot of the confusion out of it. And you could almost imagine it like, you know, I'm here from the electric company. We're here to replace your meter. You don't say to the electric company, well, how much is that going to be? Do I need three estimates? Uh, Instead, the utility comes into your house and goes through a formulaic process of uh, doing the basic uh, insulation. And we think that is so good on many levels. You know, the first level is low-income tenants often get evicted or they have to move because they can't afford the rent and the utilities together. So you rent an apartment in May, everything looks good. But when your heating bill comes in December, you realize your heating bill is higher than your rent. And after a few months, often, if you pay the heat, you can't pay the rent. If you pay the rent, you can't pay the heat. We have to, to break uh, this cycle. And we're going to do that by insulating you know, utility scale, uh, lots of houses uh, throughout New York State. This will help us keep money in people's pockets, but it will also help with the Climate and Community Protection Act. You know, right now we're barreling, you know, really quickly into an electric environment. But if somebody has a very old house that hasn't been insulated, you're just going to switch them from paying way too much for for their gas bill to paying way too much for the the electric bill. So conservation has to be part of it. And it has that great ripple effect then of saving people money, but also allowing people to, to live in comfort. And we would hate to get to the end of the transference from carbon to non-carbon and to have poor people all over upstate still living in uninsulated, drafty, expensive houses. So it's a lot cheaper to insulate houses than it is to build new windmills, and that's what we endeavor to do.
0: Well, going back to the idea of increasing the housing stock, last year, Governor Hochul launched her so-called pro-housing initiative, which has uh, communities certify as pro-housing by either uh, committing to removing local barriers to building new housing or simply hitting new home growth goals set by the state, which then gives them priority for accessing discretionary funds and may in the future be required if the governor gets her way to access more than $650 million in funds. What do you think of this effort, including making it a requirement for tapping into state funds in the future? You
1: know, it's, it's one tool in the toolbox to get more housing in New York State. I think the plan that put it together really is complementary of the governor's plan. Mm-hmm. But I view the governor's plan, you know, similar to when they changed DWI and drinking age laws where the federal government said, unless you raise the drinking age to 21 – You can't access all this Department of Transportation funding, and it got people in states to fall in line uh, rather quickly. So I think it's one tool in, in the toolbox, but we have to put a lot of other tools in the same toolbox.
0: So last year, you were part of a Democratic working group that was assembled by the state legislature to try to hammer out some sort of grand proposal on housing. And allegedly, you guys were close to striking some sort of two-way deal, although I'm cynical about that since it never actually came up for a vote. But what would you say were the areas of focus for that effort? And does it have any life in 2024?
1: I think that process showed us that you need a regional approach to housing. At the end of the process, most of the points that were agreed on were really five borough focused, and it did not have an impact outside of New York City. Remembering that with a simple tax subsidy, people will build big buildings in New York City. The upstate economy is so different that a property tax subsidy is not going to get you to redo an apartment or to build a two-family house. So we need to really look at that differently. But I think that process also made a lot of my colleagues understand that there really are a lot of different housing markets in New York State. We realize that in New York City, very few tenants get evicted for not paying rent. And it's because they have a lot of programs designed to make it so. Tenants can receive emergency money Mm -hmm. to prevent homelessness. And we found out that those programs were not being applied throughout the upstate counties in in the same way. Did some research, found out that throughout the upstate cities, nine out of ten evictions were because people couldn't pay rent. And the amount in controversy was $1,200 on average. And if those people go into the shelter system, it's going to cost at least $13,000. We've been working on changes to the social services law to make it so people are not evicted for just a small amount of money. You know, every year, people are eligible for HEAP assistance, mm-hmm. but we put some strings on the rental assistance laws where you can only be eligible every five years. And so we need to stop this churn of non payment evictions throughout upstate New York, and we're proposing changes to the social services law to make it so people who miss a month or two, have a medical emergency, get laid off from their jobs, suddenly don't become part of the unhoused. And this is more important because as our economy changes and there's less a supply of apartments, you know, people used to get e- evicted, and within a week we'll be able to find a new place to live. That's not the same anymore, so it's really important to Keep people in their houses.
0: Given the causes uh, of evictions upstate, say, no-